Hey, welcome back to the Infus Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. This is episode 287. And you know what, Daryl? Hollywood? That's where the stories don't matter. That's where they go to die, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, uh, okay, so just a warning. There's no news bites this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Bad Batch episodes one and two. We are going to talk about the exclusion of Doctor Strange from WandaVision. Um, and and it's not the fact that he was excluded. That's the issue. It's the reason why. And we're going to talk about the God Awful Superman news that came out. So if you guys don't want to listen to us rant, it's okay. You can listen next week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and then next week we'll be back with a bunch of Jupiter's Legacy episodes. And we're going to do an Invincible episode at some point. We got a lot of recording to do over the next week. So, uh, yeah. All right. So... I will say a positive. Yeah. So far, so far, Jupiter's Legacy. I'm two episodes in. So far, I, I dig it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Cool. And I was telling you, I uh, I just finished the first season of Warrior on HBO Max. I highly recommend it. Um, Joe had a great idea to do like a um, <clears throat> lake to the party uh, <laughs> segment on the show. You put lake. Better, better lake than never. Better, better lake than never. Um, <laughs> did you read your tweet? You, you said lake instead of late. No. Yeah. No. Damn anyway. autocorrect. Damn autocorrect. <laughs> uh, you know, when I try to write duck, it corrects it to the F word. <laughs> Is so, that because you use that often uh, in your text? Well, you get a lot of texts from me. I think you would know. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, one other thing. That one's really good. Um, and then funny story. I have this really nice like mesh office chair in my home office and yesterday i was leaning back too far and totally fell over and broke the headrest off of it <laughs> i was leaning i was leaning so far back that i just went like completely over <laughs> it was hilarious like and the headrest just like like it's got it's got kind of a weak point so anyway uh i thought that was funny and i wanted to share that story because there should be levity in this episode as well <laughs> so right now i'm looking at my pop dog the, di the this is fine dog. oh yeah this is fine yeah i kind of feel like that like like pop culture is on fire and yeah. and everything so all right getting on to the bad batch um I i'm just gonna say I, I the first two episodes aftermath and cut uh cut away were uh, cut away it were really good cut and run cut and run thank you um but i i also uh i don't know i felt like the first episode didn't need to be an hour so that almost felt like it was a two-parter in the sense of two episodes and they just say uh eh, well let's just call it one episode yeah um, i mean it made sense that they put it together for a premiere mm -hmm. did it need to be an hour oh probably some things they could have you know snipped off here and there well like but i kind of yeah i felt myself wandering um and around the time by the way spoilers um by the by the time they got to Sal Guerrera, i really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention and mm -hmm. on both watches i kind of wandered at the same time and i didn't pay attention to Sal Guerrera the second time either <laughs> So I don't really know what happened there. Yeah, it, 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 you didn't miss much. It, it was basically Saul Guerrero saying, hey, you have a choice. 
spaces. I mean, that's what yeah. it came down to. Okay. Um, but again, this as someone who hadn't in, until last night watched the first four episodes of season seven in the Clone Wars. Oh, that's right. I didn't I have. Forgot about I didn't that. have that basis about those guys, which I. I kept meaning to watch it when I knew it was coming on, and I never did. And I, I watched the first episode last night, and I kind of fell asleep during the second one yeah. just because I was tired. Yeah. But, yeah, so the first episode kind of gave me, and I'm like, where's this whole Echo guy? And But I, then I remember they were like, you know, he was a reg. But overall, I just love – I really enjoyed the camaraderie they had. Yes. And just the distinct personalities. It's and, the and again, that's, brotherhood it's amongst the, them. Brotherhood, yes. yeah, brother. Um, yeah, uh, I will say, uh, they broke some continuity at the beginning of the episode with the Kanan thing with Caleb Doom, um, yes. and and Deepa Balaba. Um, so that, so they did a whole comic about Kanan, and the, this is what's bothering me about Disney Star Wars, right? Is they keep talking about how everything's canon, like this game is canon, this comic is canon, this book is canon. But then they, like, throw it out at the weirdest times for none of that stuff to be canon. Um, and in Kanan's, you know, from Caleb to Kanan in that story, how he gets away from the clones is really good. And the reason, like, he doesn't just, like, kill, clone like, Rex on sight is you learn that one of the clones helped him, um, like, fought the chip, like, fought the order and, and was one of the few that, like, you know, was able to actually help him out. And... Yeah, so it was just, I, you know, I get it. Throw the bad batch in there, but it was super fan servicey. Yeah, that that's one of those instances of like, did you really? I mean, it's it's kind of cool, except especially the whole Order sixty six thing. Yeah, and and how the bad batch are like, oh, dude, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> like we have no idea what's going on. But yeah, except was, yeah, it, and it was also weird that only uh, only crosshair saw that right so this is my thing with crosshair though he didn't do this because of the order itself he did it because he said hey this was our order a good a good soldier follows orders orders yeah so he was the guy he's that guy who is you know when when something like terrible happens and says hey i was only following orders he's that type of character so um, which will make it very interesting down the road when because you know he's going to be that that you know antagonist. I was looking for the not just an antagonist, but the antagonist that was so close yep. to this group, which makes it all the more interesting how well, they're going to handle. And to be honest, with he's the one that kind of saved all their bacon. Yeah, like he was. Oh, he yeah. was. He's their Overwatch, right? He's he's the one who who keeps them from from you know keeps Wrecker from just wrecking and kill and dying. Um, yeah. So and and that happened in the you know that first yep. episode of the Clone Wars yeah. of season seven where he was the one that that picked him up. Yep. In the in the skiff or whatever. Well, they and were... and like when he uh, in the fourth episode when he threw all those mirrors and then just took one shot and took out all the droids. Yeah. So like that's yeah. another good point. I really like and like I really liked Crosshair. I still really like Crosshair. Um, you know, I think he's going to be so. a fascinating antagonist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him like dump the clone armor and see what kind of armor he he brings on. Um, like how stormtroopery will it be? Will or will he like still stand out? Uh, yeah, he has to stand. They have to make it so he stands so. out just at least a little bit. 
So, but to yep. your point, it's going to be interesting how they have to change their fighting. Yeah, their you know, tactics, their, their, their strategies. Used to, their tactics. They're used to fighting a certain way, and now they don't, like you said, they don't have this Overwatch guy. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed the first episode, exactly. especially for someone like me. Like I said, I hadn't seen them before, and, you know, I'm kind of doing my back issue homework, yeah. if, if you no, will, with it. So I thought I thought Tarkin being added was a little fan servicey as well. Like it just seems like a cameo fest. Um, but I will say Omega was interesting, but it implies something, right? She's the fifth defective mm-hmm. clone. So is Star Wars saying being female is a defect? <laughs> I thought the Force was female. <clears throat> um, apparently not. Apparently, being a female clone is defective. Um. <laughs> Just, I mean, I like honestly, like I, I like, like, what else is out there? I did, I did find it interesting that she was able to get that lucky shot off, and I've seen a lot of people like, oh, it's this Mary Sue moment, and again, it's like, no, no she got a shot not. off, and then the next three shots she took all missed. But I think to that point, there is something about her that there's definitely something about her that she probably doesn't know it's either going to be the force because Mm -hmm. you know uh star wars or it's going to be she's got some sort of like mental control type of a thing from an implant or something yeah it kind of reminded me a little bit of river from um you know firefly yeah that's a good call i didn't even think about that because there was actually there was that episode where she I don't I can't remember if it was the episode of the show or the movie Serenity when she was on kind of like uh, on the ramp to the ship and she did something very similar. Oh, it was it was the movie where she or the the show where the guy uh, when they were leaving the um, the station where Mal and Wash had been captured by by like the crime lord. And yeah, Kaylee's yeah. like freaking out and she's got the gun and River takes it and she just like without looking just six shots and, and kills them all and then looks at Kaylee and goes, yeah. No power in the verse can stop me. Like like Yeah, there it is. You know, that was yeah. that was like a cool that was see, that was one of the four watchable shows. One of the four watchable shows. Uh, cause the other nine are unwatchable for oh, episodes. for, for yeah. uh for Fire Suck. Um, but yeah, no, I'd like, I like, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, I, I kind of liked, I liked, um, we'll get to the second episode in a minute. Um, but again, the, the other thing is, is they got away kind of easy, uh, especially from someone like, uh, Crosshair who is methodical and, you know, like wasn't very emotional about it. Um, I did. I did like the the throwback to the the training team, uh, the training room, when um, you know Fives and Jesse and Echo were all trying to become Arc Troopers and going through all of that and not doing so hot um, before they were they were able to uh, to make it happen. Yeah, I uh, I, I know didn't you like didn't watch that. the Clone Wars, so yeah. But. No, I've watched the Clone Wars here and there piecemeal. Like I watched the first two seasons, then something here and there and then the last four episodes yeah. so but and again that's one of the things i do like about this even though 
I don't have the same relationship with Echo or Cody, yeah, or what have you, as you know, as you do, or something along those lines. But um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see just kind of where they where where we go here from here. Uh, I, and I will say they did have help to get away. They yeah. had that Camino in. Yep, was kind of was helping them out, which was very. Which yeah. again, that's going to come back around too. So, and I, I I do think the other thing too, like with Crosshair when they they put him through the the torture to kind of make him even more obedient, was um, an interesting touch because, again, these these clones from Clone Force ninety nine are very individualistic, yet. Right. very loyal to each other like you saw from the the food fight and and things like that in the in the cafeteria um so it, it's it's curious like i i foresee him sacrificing himself at the end of the series to to save them so they can crosshairs yeah so that they crosshair. can crosshair yeah so that they can go off and, and retire into the sunset yeah so how how about that like who would have guessed you'd have a, uh, a food fight in Star Wars property? I <laughs> love it. I thought was, it was pretty Yeah, great. it was great. I mean, it, it's it was great. It's like, well, it's funny because, like, the regs are the bullies. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. but, like, but here's the thing is these aren't the same clones that we saw in the Clone Wars. And I think it's apropos that the, the title sequence starts with the Clone Wars and the Clone Wars logo burns up to show that, yes. the, the Bad Batch logo. Because these these while these are clones, they're they're now uh, behaviorally mo- behavior behaviorally modified. Words are hard. Uh, I did a, last week without a single words are hard, man. Damn. <laughs> anyway, but so you know now they have this behavior modification, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how they react. Because again, if you go back to the Clone Wars cartoon, like they had several clones, like you know, Fives was one of them who had uh, the chip malfunction at one point and you know, they tried to fight it. They really did. So, and, and, you know, there's stories throughout lore, um, Star Wars lore uh, of clones that have, you know, that successfully or, or to some form of success before succumbing, were able to, to battle the, the, uh, the influence of the inhibitor chip. Yeah. I, I really like Omega as well. I, like, there's, I, yeah, like she, 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 she has that naivety to her that is, and just so out of place with these, you know, hardened, mm-hmm. you know, clones. Yeah. It, she's gonna be, although it's it's it, you know, I say that, but at the same time, and, and again, she's a kid who hasn't been around anything except. Yeah, that space station where she is, or Camino. Like, yeah, so the, the planet Camino. So yeah. Yeah. So and, and, yeah. I mean, it's a water and, planet that it's like, like you know how like Chicago only has like three days of summer, because it's always winter <laughs> there. Um, like Camino only has like a couple hours of not raining. Um, so right. you know, that the whole like that that goes into that whole whitewashing things people are complaining about that like the clones were white. It's like they. I, I didn't think they were white. I thought they looked like the clones have looked all along. They look, yeah. um, they look yeah. exactly like they did in the Clone Wars. Um, the other thing that I think was a negative was Freddie Prince Jr. voicing Kid Kanan, sounding I, like an 80-year-old man who smokes that, seven packs of cigarettes a day. 
And on top of that, the way he's reacted to people giving him criticism. Yeah. So one that that did kind of take me out of that because it it was a jarring moment yep. where it's just why does this kid sound yeah like a grown man yeah. that the fact that they didn't he didn't change his voice or they didn't modulate it in some way to sound younger was stupid because again if they did that we wouldn't have this issue with mm-hmm. you know again yeah yeah not only the people basically kind of clowning him about that which whatever. Well, you know, and uh, yeah. his—I—I I told you what his react, why he's reacting like that. Yeah, I'm not going to share that on the podcast because it was a very mean thing to say, but I still yeah. stand by it in my text to you. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Though. It's very funny and and it's very yeah. mean and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know, the the fact that he's like punching, like, you know, like calling out people and he had that rant from a few years ago where he was on some podcast where the dudes were literally licking his boots um you know i think one of the guys might have been you know going for the bunghole there too while they were at it um where he was like i i talked to george it's like i don't think you've ever talked to george lucas no offense but you know you 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 were just a, a voice actor on a show that you know he was the executive producer of didn't have a whole lot to do with other than like story and, and things like that so you know what george said to him probably if he yeah. came up to him like hey you know do you know me remember me no he'd be like i don't even know who you are <laughs> <laughs> and his face turns purple <laughs> and then he snaps no, a gauntlet in hand and freddie just <laughs> fades away so and then george looks back and he goes anybody else can come back except for this guy <laughs> But uh, no, it, it's just it, it's it's just continually the Lucasfilm employee just nonsense of like, dude, someone someone said they liked it except for your voice acting. There's no need to like start in. Um, there's also you know he's he's one of the people who celebrated like Gina getting fired and things like that. So yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird. I, I'm 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 kind of hoping that. That's the last we see of uh, of young Caleb Doom. So, yeah, I, uh, I hope so as well. All right. So the second episode. So they, at the end of the first episode, they they talk about they're going to uh, Salakama, uh, Selukami. Sorry, I don't know how you say it. Um, and my other text train text chain. Um, they were like, "Oh, they're going to see Rex. They're going to see Rex." And before I even saw the title, I was like, "No, they're going to see Cut." Um, and I have the text receipts. I can, I can share those with anybody who wants to see them. Um, because it's that kind of a deep cut show. Um, and so, yeah, so, so cut was a deserter from the clone wars who, uh, they were on this planet when Rex got injured and, and cut and his wife and, and children like nursed Rex back to health while then cut helped the clones get away from, from the droids. Um, and then they left him with his twee, uh, Twi'lek wife and, and, and children. Um, it was a really cool story. It was really cool to see the kids grown up um, in this because they were just little kids. Uh, so you can see the amount of time that's passed, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and, and it was neat that like they knew he knew the Bad Batch. Like I like I think there's a wealth of stories. Like if this goes beyond one season, like we could get some flashbacks to them during the Clone Wars with like Anakin and Rex and well, no, they met Rex for the first time in Anakin. But, like, with j- different Jedi, maybe Jedi we don't get a lot of time with um, would be pretty yeah. interesting. 
yeah, that that'd be pretty cool. So. And it's also that you know, Cutton's the one that tells them about the the inhibitor chips, and they're like, "What are those?" Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was Tech was like, uh, "How do you think the beha- the modification happened?" Yeah. Through the chips. Yep. But yeah, th- this episode was you know there, with the first episode there was a lot of action. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, and again, it that's the thing that really brought me into it, and the, you know obviously the personality of the Bad Batch, which were were great. Love, like you said, that you know each just so well thought out individually mm-hmm. and how different they are. And but then also how they work of, together. Yes. Yeah. So. And this one was one of those kind of catch your breath moments doesn't mean there wasn't action in it i felt like this was a world building episode to kind of show like these are the first like these are legitimately the first days of the empire right and and they're introducing chain codes already um where that was not a thing like um a widely accepted thing before the chain codes so you know i thought that was kind of cool and seeing how they were they were restricting travel and like you know kind of being like super authoritarian they had the troopers mm-hmm. they're still they're still in the clone trooper you know look so at some point we're going to see that switch over to the 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 storm trooper um the storm versus clone trooper uh uniform or, or armor if you will uh i liked omega in this episode because watching her play with kids for the first time was a really nice touch yeah or, or, or even before that, when she first gets off the ship, and she's oh, like, what is yeah. this? What is this? Uh, that's that's dirt. <laughs> but yeah, that, and then she's just like, yeah, well, just like a kid. Yeah, you know, kicking kicking around in it, and I, yeah, I, and it really goes to show how she's going to be an interest, uh, a great character in the sense of all. She's going to have so many of these firsts. Yeah, everything is a with, first with, for her right now. Right, and. And again, I, I love watching like when they when one of the kids threw a ball at her, she moved out of the way. It's like you're supposed to catch it. <laughs> I, I, I will I will say in her defense, that's every like second through fourth grade girl when they play basketball for the first time. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Like that's no, like the no. that's like their first like seven games of their career. Like anytime the ball comes near them, they duck. Um, I'm kidding. That's not all of them. That was just mine. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh yeah, so no, that was really cool, and 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 the not just basic understanding to playing catch, uh, and then not understanding danger, I thought was a very yes. interesting was a very interesting way to show, uh, again one of our favorite things they showed us why she's a babe in the woods, out in uh, run around space with with what will eventually be a mercenary group. <laughs> yeah. And it this also really highlighted the special bond she has with Hunter. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of curious if maybe she's it's gonna turn out she's a clone of Hunter, because um, I think her her special ability is gonna be similar to his with the you know enhanced awareness and um, you know tracking ability and things like that. Well, one thing she I mean she there's some empathic type. Yeah, thing, whether it be psychic or even just you know being able to read body language, yeah, is when you know when they were imprisoned and she looks at Crosshair and she says, "I know what you're gonna do, but please don't." And she says, yeah. you know, it's not your fault." Yeah. So what if I, what's, I, if, I, what's, I, if, again, what's if a Camo and uh, um, like 
trying to put like M count, like boost her M count, like in the the Mandalorian. Like, what if they kind of like build that story there that the the Jedi eugenics project from the Empire started with her. started there, right? Like, that could be interesting. Like, what what happens if we we try and and artificially like boost the metachlorian count inside of a, a a living being yeah that, i mean that is an absolute possibility especially considering how you know that we got that from yeah Rise i mean it ties yeah and it ties into the mandalorian the as mandalorian well. yes. um yeah, you exactly. know in i i don't know i mean I, I just i think i think it could be interesting now like am i a butthurt if that happens no absolutely not am i butthurt that like they have a little girl with them. No, I think it adds it adds something to them, especially because she is uh, socially inept um, in yeah. so many ways that like it, it, and, and as are they. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, because he just was going to dump her. Hunter was just going to dump her with cut in his family because he thought that was the best thing for her. Right. But she right. didn't find that out until she was like, "Well, wait, why is there a fifth chain code?" And and you know, cut like cut was like, "Oh, that's for you." Um, I I will say the sweetest scene was when they saved her from the little cat dog saber tooth tail creature, whatever thing, that um, from from Attack of the Clones. Uh, the way cut like helped her and hugged her and and told her everything was gonna be okay. Like that was a huge learning moment for the clones that was lost on three quarters of them. Yes. Yeah. If you know, like, you know, and, and not, I mean, it's not like they, they aren't going to care about her and things like that, but like Hunter is going to be the dad figure. Um, you know, yeah. uncle wrecker, uncle, <laughs> you know, uncle echo and uncle tick. Do you notice that she come tick? Like, you know, because yeah. of the, the New Zealand accent. Tick. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's so it's just like because, you know, it's tech like like even even D. Bradley Baker, when when he's talking to himself, um, you know, he's he's calling he calls him tech. Um, you know, it's still New Zealandy, but like teak, you know, when she says yeah. it, it's just really funny. Uh, I will say uh, D. Bradley Baker is a uh, is a pretty prolific voice actor. Um, he's he's done such voices as Appa, uh, from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Did you know that he's he's great? Like at the vo- animal sounds, it's really cool. But like, I love him in this, and it, it's like literally his credit is all of the clone troopers in the series, including the members of Clone Force ninety nine slash the Bad Batch. That is, I, I that is so fascinating. I would love to see a recording session just drop in on a recording session and just watch him go to work with this stuff. I can't, I can't like, you know, honestly what I'd I'd rather watch is the ADR session where he has to do all the grunts and growls and like, you know, uh, um, you know, exasperated sounds and things like that. Like running through the woods, can you hit like, uh, uh, like, cause they all have to sound different. Like now with Wrecker with his voice and like, you know, now it's like, (laughs) Oh, Wrecker is such such a fun time. He's just like that was great how you said Uncle Wrecker because he's that fun drunk uncle, although he you know, <laughs> not drunk in a well, way. Well, he's drunk on life, so yeah. But um, yeah. So the first episode was uh, written by Dave Filoni and Jennifer Corbett, 
and it was it had three directors so and i think that's just because of the length of it they probably split it up because it was three pretty different arcs that happened so uh steward lee saul ruiz and nathaniel villanuevu and then the second episode was written by jennifer corbett again and brad Rao was was the director so um you know i i i liked both episodes i'm i'm excited for next friday um, I did mention to you, like, do we want to cover this every week? And, and you know, I think, you know, I, I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> yeah, it's. Yeah. I'm also glad you went back and watched the the four episodes. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of glad for the you know just to that I got introduced, you know, just because I didn't watch them in this one although it does take away a little bit about you know echo and you know that you know what he went through and all that yeah but still i i don't know it was uh, this was a great episode one was a great introduction for us you know plebs who didn't watch them yeah so first four episodes this, this is clone four nine this is clone force 99 there are many clones like this but these clones are ours um <laughs> so if you want to go full metal jacket on it but <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, so just um, the first two episodes, we'll just lump them both together. Um, let's say out of five um, washed-up actors doing a character's voice. <laughs> I'd give it a 3.5. It's solid. You know, it's a great start for me. I'm really excited to see where they decide to go. It's going to be very, you know, you're being drawn in a lot by having a crosshair as mm -hmm. probably going to be our primary antagonist. So I think there's room for improvement, but this is a very good start. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 3.25. Um, I was going to go with a 3.75, but I'm knocking off a half a point because I zoned out both times I watched the first episode. Okay. Which I think is that's fair. fair. So, yeah, because like in, in little, in, I got right back into it is the minute they got back to Camino, but the whole like insurgent thing, like I don't know, it's just kind of been done to death. And the fact that they yeah. thought it was going to be droids, like that's where I was like, why are you surprised it's people? That's where I literally like I checked out for a while. I mean, yeah, dude, soil and green is people. It's people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut for a lot of people. People are going to be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Yup. All right. So let's uh, let's move on um, to to our next story, uh, which is <laughs> so the title for this section is uh, "No More Mutants," which is <laughs> swiped out, uh, struck out, and it says to "White Male Heroes." Um, <laughs> so okay, so. Apparently, with WandaVision, the commercials were supposed to be Doctor Strange trying to talk to her magically. And so now it makes sense why they dropped those uh, pretty, pretty quick. You know, it was only it was only like the first I mean, pretty quick for an eight episode series, nine episode series like it, like they weren't in every episode, you know, right. Um and so I think when they knew they were going to cut him out, um, that was that was one thing. But I, I, I grabbed a, a – so you can go to to the show notes. Go to infamouspodcast.com. 
Um, I have links to three different stories. One is from the New York Post that talked that was the Doctor Strange cut from WandaVision for being a white guy. I specifically chose like a non-news, non-nerd news source for this. Um, the second one is called Marvel Made a Big Mistake from Cutting Doctor Strange from WandaVision, and it's from Inverse. And I, stri- I specifically chose this one because I don't typically like the way Inverse covers things. And I think, uh, I think they stretch a few things here by saying Marvel made a mistake. Um, and then the last one is Kevin Feige confirms Doctor Strange, which is, was originally supposed to appear in WandaVision and explains why he didn't. And I thought this was the best coverage of that explanation. Um, just, I mean, that's news for Daryl too. But I, I will say, knowing this does not take away from my enjoyment of WandaVision. No, absolutely not. Um, I, I, I thought WandaVision was significantly better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You can fight me on that one all you want. Um, you know, you, if you want, you can come to my house and set up a change my mind table, Steven Crowder style, and we can discuss it um, and, and see if you can change my mind. I don't think you will. But, um, yeah, so, I I mean, we, we talked about WandaVision for, for nine straight, eight straight weeks. Um and we did these commentary episodes that are on our our, our, um, our Patreon, which I'm actually probably going to release them all here in the next week or two uh, for everybody. If they want to listen to them, I'll probably put them up on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, there there's that. I, I, I it's, it's this weird thing that Kevin Feige is doing all of a sudden, right? Um, all, all of a sudden, the, the things that matter to, to him are – what is between the legs of an actor? What color is their skin? Yes. And and, and the and MCU hasn't been like like honestly, I feel like the whole little A Force thing in in Endgame was the beginning of the end for for good storytelling in Marvel. Because uh, it's not about characters necessarily anymore. It and because yeah. I'm sorry, but like while I don't know if it would have taken away from WandaVision. It definitely would have added to the ending because the ending was a little weird and a little weak, and we talked about that. Um, We've talked about that a few times, actually. And I I think he could have helped um, because, you know, for for all these people who are like – and, like, my wife is like this. She's like, well, Wanda wasn't the bad guy. It's like Wanda was the bad guy. Wanda was absolutely the bad guy. Wanda could have stopped this at – any moment because she knew what was happening the whole time like we don't know that until the end of the series but like and and the fact that she ends the series with the dark home and she's got the the astral projection version of her as like you know the cover um in her very monochrome 1984 jumpsuit you know so the party doesn't report on her um you know definitely says says something but um I think having Doctor Strange show up there, um, maybe at the end to kind of help her undo it, because chaos magic is such a such a powerful thing, and and you hear like when when Agatha is talking about it, she's like when she's reading from the Dark Home and, and telling her who the Scarlet Witch is, you know, she mentions that like she's even more the Scarlet Witch is even more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme, and it kind of would have been cool to see. Doctor Strange try to help her and get kind of knocked down a rung because he's he's without the Ayatagamoto 
and yep. um it, it it sets up and, and this is where they've you know they've done such a good job previously to setting up what's next and what's next is her in a cabin like the hulk when they found him in the yurt at the beginning of avengers yeah so you said this did not change your opinion of WandaVision and your enjoyment, and it, I, I 100% agree. This does nothing to change how fascinating, how fun, how imaginative that series was, how amazing Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany were mm-hmm. in the show, and you know... And, and Catherine Hahn. Yeah, and Catherine Hahn as well. That doesn't take anything away from it. What it does do is makes me even more wary of where we're going mm-hmm. in the MCU now. Yep. Because part of what he says is fine. Because I'm going to read it now. Oh, it would have been, he says, and I quote, oh, it would have been so cool to see Doctor Strange, but it would have taken away from Wanda, which is what we didn't do. If he would have ended it right there, mm-hmm. regardless of if you disagree or agree with that statement, you would be like, okay, I get, you know, I, I agree with it, and I'm glad they didn't put him in there for that reason, or I disagree with what he said. I think they could have still focused it on Wanda and had Dr. Strange in there. Mm-hmm. Regard- if he would have stopped there, there wouldn't be any issue for me. However, he goes on. We didn't want to end the end of the show to be commoditized to go to the next movie, which, dude, you have done that for every MCU movie, mm-hmm. and that's why the MCU works. Right. So one – it says you're you want to go away from the formula that's worked for ten years. Right. Is that that's yeah. what that looks like. Yep. And then he goes on to say, "Here's the white guy. Let me show you how power works." That right there is where I and to your point when you said the A4 scene at the beginning of the end, mm-hmm. that is where the MCU is head. It seems to be. I, I won't say absolutely. You but know, definitely. Yeah. Based on some of what we've seen some of what we've read and some of what they've confirmed mm-hmm. that's where it looks like it's going to be going so here's and the thing i, no I don't think he watched doctor strange because you know who yeah. spent the whole movie teaching the white guy how to use his powers a white woman a black dude and an yeah. asian dude yeah yeah so you know and and and, and yeah so i i think uh you know I will. I will say, like, I, I am. I am softening to the idea that maybe these people need to be comic book people who are writing and making these movies. Um, I, I would. I would also heavily emphasize when you say comic book people. I mean, true comic book people. Yeah, like actual people... like comic book writers, not yeah. at not the the activists necessarily that yes. they have. Yeah. Um, doing that it mas- at the moment. Masquerade as writers. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, you know, again, like this, what, 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 what that comment says to me is, you don't, uh, you didn't, he didn't understand the story because he's not gonna, like, he's not gonna come in and show her how chaos magic works. Yeah, because he, and again, like you said, this would also be a learning lesson for Doctor Strange. Yeah. What Doctor Strange, think of what Doctor Strange had to go to through that, like learning how to mm-hmm. focus yeah. himself. Learning how, you know, to be patient. And Wanda's never had that type of training from someone who has a similar type of power. Because she's never come across anyone with a similar type of power until Agatha. Right. So. And, and it, took problem... her, it took her a little bit of time to figure that out, right? Um, yeah, right. 
but you know so like just listen reading all of this made me think of batman beyond uh return of the joker that movie i don't know if you've watched it but there there's a scene there's a scene near the end where um the batman and the joker uh batman beyond and joker are fighting and you know uh (laughs) terry terry says uh, says you know says a line about being batman and and he says the joker says to him you you're not batman you're you're nothing but a rank amateur a costumed uh a costume clown uh taking orders uh or costumed errand boy taking orders from a senile old fool um (laughs) and it's like that's true and and but at, at the same time like terry very much is batman and when they go to fight um you know again joker says uh you know you're out of your league mcginnis I know every move the original Batman and Robin knew at their prime. Um, and then Terry knees him in the nuts. And uh, he says, the real Batman would never fight dirty. And Terry says, see, you don't know a thing about me. Um, we needed that kind of moment for Wanda, to be 100% honest. Yes. And, and again, not changing any of the enjoyment. I think that would have added to it. I think it would have it would have made me feel more sympathetic to her rather than looking at her as a villain. I, I thought I thought one of the issues with the show was the likability factor or unlikability factor of Monica Rambeau is an issue. Um, and the fact that when you go back and you really think about the show, Wanda was the bad guy and they're trying to pretend like she wasn't. And even I will say that I haven't read a lot of what people have said from the show, but I did say, see where Elizabeth Olsen said, you know, about the consequence. She didn't face any consequences. And Olsen even said that she, she got out. And again, I don't know if this is her take on it. I don't know if this was the take the writers did when she leaves town, Mm -hmm. but she even, she, Elizabeth Olsen, I believe she said something along the lines of she left town before, you know, people that could hold her accountable could get there, which that only emphasizes the fact that she knows that she did wrong. She knows that she was the bad guy because, again, regardless of the trauma that she went through, and and it's it's a ton of trauma, don't get me wrong, it does not absolve her of the torture that she put those thousands of people through for several weeks. Yeah. So anyone that says she's not the bad guy, step step away from liking her Mm -hmm. because, again – Elizabeth Olsen was fantastic in yeah, that show. She was great. I mean, she was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Like she was so good that they should be heaping the the reins of the Marvel universe on her very talented shoulders. <laughs> yes, I yeah, I never thought about that until I saw her in this show, and I think we talked about it during one of the reviews yep. or oh yeah, or we talked. To, we I, where, I I've mentioned it ad nauseum. I mean, yeah, since, yeah, I, since this it, it was. Yeah, it was one of those things where, because again, we've never gotten her front and center. So to she show, at least us in this series, that she could absolutely bear the weight of being front and center in the MCU. And yeah. I. Really and and here, here's it. the other thing for for a, a company that has spent so much time being forward thinking and strategic about everything they do, they've already announced Wanda's in the Multiverse of Madness, right? Why right. not make that where Doctor Strange knows he has to step up his game to fix whatever is wrong as the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I think You're that right. right there goes a long way of saying, like, okay, this is 
this is what Doctor Strange has to learn and understand in order to 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 go toe to toe with someone who actually has a little bit more power than him organically. Yeah. And again, so. he it's not like he's been doing this for 10 years no. or anything. He's like a that. little bit of a Mary Sue himself. Um, yeah. So, but in the yeah, MCU, that, uh, in the MCU. Yeah. But I yeah. that's why I was kind of hoping they would have backtracked uh Doctor Strange and made him like all that happened a few years before they did. Yeah. Just from a standpoint of him being able to learn and being in Carmartage for say yep. like 3 years learning his craft. I kind of want to go back and watch Doctor Strange tonight after we're done. I really like Doctor Strange because it's such. A, I did so, too, it's another yeah. one of those different type movies. It was like Ant Man, like it was self contained. It was like it was like the original Iron Man. Like anything that's like the original Iron Man, I really like. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like Ant Man, like Ant Man, like <laughs> like Homecoming. You know, um, you know, Homecoming has a little bit of the larger MCU, but it's largely you know Iron Boy. I mean Spider Man. Um, Oh, all right, Eric. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I here's the thing: is I, I think those comments are disingenuous uh, about like, oh, it's it shouldn't have been the white man to come in to save the day. I think that uh, at the end of the day, it's a virtue signal. Hundred um, percent, a virtue and signal. I also think at the end of the day, it's. Kevin Feige may have reached his limit of creativity and, and that, may need to, uh, in a Michael Scott fashion, walk out in the parking lot and declare bankruptcy. <laughs> and, and again, this guy has been, you know, neck deep in all of this yeah. for the last, uh, where we say, you know, it started in 2008, but even started a little no, bit before it was, that. I mean, he was like, you know, he, you know, he did stuff with DC. Like, you know, he did stuff with the original X-Men movies. You know, he was involved with Blade. And, you know, tangentially, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know. Was. So, yeah. I mean, he's been in this. Like, you know, everybody thought Avi Arad was going to be, like, the guy for Marvel. Because, you know, you had X-Men. You had Blade. You had the Fantastic Four movies all under his banner. And then this essentially kid just showed up out of nowhere and, and you know, took took the world by its tail and said this is my mcu world now you're all just living in it and you know i i hate to see i hate to see the way his decision making has been going lately um yeah it, it's almost like when when you see a fighter yeah. and you're Ooh, like dude you yeah. just need to retire it was like and, and, uh what's his name yeah. um tito ortiz who tapped out from punches by the way um fought like four <laughs> fights too many um yeah. chuck liddell fought two fights too many uh you know randy couture fought two fights too many you know and and, and i think i i have no interest in the eternals i have no interest in seeing shang chi on the big screen i will watch it when it's on disney plus because i do like a good martial arts film but i don't have to go see those in the movie theater i don't think they really necessarily even lend themselves to the big screen just in my yeah. opinion um because I feel like like that style of fighting is just more intimate. And anyway, that's just me. Uh, I've lost all desire to to see Black Widow, um, which I know hurts your soul to hear me say that. But <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, I just I don't I, I, I'm, I'm here's the thing is I'm not burnt out on superhero stuff either. Like I'm, I'm excited for Jupiter's legacy as much as I disliked 
invincible. Like, I, I, I have hope they can turn it around. You know, maybe Seth Gold, uh, Seth yeah. Rogen needs to not be a part of it to turn it around. Yeah. But you know, um, like you know, I'm I'm all in on Star Wars still. Um, but yeah, so yeah. The one thing I am never burned out on is good content. I don't care what it is. It, I mean, think about how, how many dramas or comedies or action movies come yep. out every year. Oh, yeah. And then you're saying, oh, we're burnt out. Like, people say that like superhero burnout. It, no, it's about creativity, originality, and putting passion in that. And, and again, going back to the title of this episode, making the story itself matter. Yeah. Not a bunch of damn checkboxes. Well, I that's mean, all, that's all we want. You know, my tongue in cheek uh, subhead to this week's episode, you would think the content of the character would be more important. And it's really <laughs> not. I mean, it, to Kevin Feige right now, it's about the, the amount of melanin in their skin and uh, which shade of melanin that is and what may or may not be growing beneath between their legs. Yeah. And, it's... and, and that, that's an issue because they, they never did that before. And, you know, the, I, I this is this is a segue for okay we're perfect segue yeah I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna hold on let me um okay so like this is the perfect segue for what's happening with Superman um so there are two Grant Morrison created multiverse versions of Superman Valzad and Calvin Ellis who are both very interesting characters both very interesting characters. And rather than do that, you have hack-ass Ta-Nehisi Coates showing up saying, oh, no, it's going to be Clark Kent. And here's the thing. Ta-Nehisi Coates is doing this to further racial division in our country. Ta-Nehisi Coates is a 100% racist, and Ta-Nehisi Coates needs to just stay completely away from fiction. Because his nonfiction books, his 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 work at the Atlantic writing op eds, are, are are what he can do as a screenwriter, as a comic book writer, as a storyteller from a, a fictional point of view. He's he's garbage. Yeah, and and that's by someone. And again, I know he wrote Captain America. That's the one thing I never read. You read that? I read some of his Black Panther. Awful. Yeah. So I mean, he doubled down on the Wakandan ethno state with with yeah. with Black Panther so hard, and and again, so showed a huge misunderstanding of who T'Challa was, that it, it was just like ridiculous. And all these people give him a pass because he's black and he was writing Black Panther. Well, you know who was black and wrote Black Panther and was amazing at it, Christopher Priest. You know. I mean, Priest's run on, on Black Panther is something every fan of superheroes should have on their shelf. So, but, you know, and again, they're, they're going with, uh, okay, so it's going to be a black Superman. It's going to be Clark Kent. It's going to be a black director. They don't know who yet, but, you know, it's like, okay, well, you, you've just gone and, and you, you've turned this into, you know, something that it shouldn't be. And in, in, in this article, they talk about the fact that it's not Black Panther 2. It's now Black Panther Wakanda forever because there's no Black Panther anymore um, because yeah. they're not going to recast the role. Um, you know, they're talking about their the with Blade, which I think got pushed back again. 
Um, to, yeah, July 2022 is yeah. gonna. That's when they're gonna start production. Yeah. So I mean, Blade's not out until 2023, and you know, again, they're talking about like having a black director for that. Um, when that seems to not have mattered for the previous three Blade films, you had a white dude, a Mexican dude, and David Goyer. Um, so, uh, and I, I mean, I, I'm gonna say this: David Goyer should not be allowed to write anything other than signing like the bill at a restaurant. Uh, ever again and even that he should probably let someone else do for him um just but, put an x there yeah so so here, here's the thing though is in this article from the hollywood reporter it says here while the next superman will likely land with a named director the star could be relatively unknown as the case as was the case with brandon Ra- with brandon routh suited up for brian singer's uh, 2006 Superman Returns and Henry Cavill donned the cape in Zack Snyder's 2013 Man of Steel. Neither Superman Returns nor Man of Steel lived up to outsized expectations with the former earning $391 million worldwide and the latter taking in $668 million. By contrast, James Wan's Aquaman nabbed $1.5 billion in 2018 and Todd Phillips' Joker scored $1.07 billion and mocked multiple Oscars. So here's here's the problem with this argument. Uh, Superman Returns was the first Superman movie that had come out in like 10, 15 years, whatever it was. The big problem with it is they stuck to the Richard Donner mythology instead of changing yes. what they were going to do. Uh, the Man of Steel uh, had very mixed reviews, right? Um, and part of the problem with the Man of Steel is just Zack Snyder's style of filmmaking in the dark and and not having it be bright and you know I mean you see the difference between a bright Superman in the Snyder cut and what you have in the Man of Steel Aquaman had the benefit of being in the Justice League movie and being or I'm sorry let me rephrase that being in the Justice League movie and being what was universally considered a bright spot in, in that dark piece of in in, in that that gigantic yes. triceratops tops turd that ellie had to dig her hands into um <laughs> and the joker um the joker was a subversive movie that they got a bunch of people to go see because they are making it they made it violent they made it perverse and it was it was it, it had a it had a campaign of if you don't like this movie there's something wrong with you where i think it's the inverse there and it won multiple oscars because the joker character name is still living off the death of heath ledger yes so again that was angry that was really angry that was very angry <laughs> i didn't yell well, yeah that's actually i actually the more like when you don't yell and you can still feel the anger that's actually more you know that's more attention getting for me so here's the thing like the wonder woman right wonder woman did well because wonder woman was the bright shining spot in the dog turd that was batman versus superman <laughs> batman v superman sorry uh crap man versus crap crap man v crap man crap of crap um <laughs> And, you know, her her initial movie did really well. Um, and it was a good movie until the last third. Nothing to do with the, – it was 
due to studio interference, right? Um, maybe. I don't know. Wonder Woman 84, that's a whole other story. Let's not go there. But Aquaman 2 is going to come out. Aquaman 2 is probably, well, I don't think any movie's making a billion dollars for at least the next 15 years. I don't know about that long, but it's going to be a while. And, I, like, yeah. I, I, it's going to be several years. Let's just put it that way. Uh, because, again, a lot, you know, theaters shutting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have people that don't want to go to theaters or scared to go to theaters. And I think the biggest thing, you're having this bubble or whatever you want to call it of lacking creativity and just honestly not understanding what people want. Right. I mean, we can focus just on WB with this and DC and the, in the DCEU in the sense that regardless of what, you know, we, we know, like I know what you thought, you know, you didn't, you know, you weren't a huge fan of the Snyder cut. Like I was, no, that's fine. You know, it's like, as much as I loved it, it still had issues. However, and this is a big thing. Many people like liked it or I bet you some people loved it more than I did. Mm-hmm. What ha- Again, this was based on the fans of Zack Snyder and fans uh, and, and opponents of the Justice League with travesty wanting the original creative vision mm-hmm. of a director. Yeah. And it's that campaign that got that made. And then when it becomes a success – what does DC do? What does WB do? They say, oh, you know what? We, we don't, you know, this no is We're done. We're no done. Yeah. But But here's the thing. It's, it's not it because Aquaman is still in that universe. Shazam is still in that universe. Uh, and by, you know, the transitive theory of story continuity, Black Adam will be in that universe. Wonder Woman is still in that universe. And Flash is still in that universe. Yeah. But with the Superman should be that and, it, and I, it's funny you didn't mention Batman because we still don't know what's going on with Batman uh, we, we know the, the Batman which is like an Elseworlds like the Joker yep. is yeah. but and we know Michael Keaton's going to be in You know, I think it was confirmed he's going to yeah, be in was Yeah, like, there was a whole bunch of back and forth like he wasn't in it, he was in it, he wasn't in it now he says he's in it so I mean it, it, it's, it's even more convoluted than Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man 3 um, <laughs> yeah. or No so, Way Home um, but yeah, so and this is and going back to we I understand this is because I think uh, Coates has until mid December to turn in the script so things yeah. can change. Yeah, I, I really hope to goodness things do change. He's because, so tone deaf. He's not going to yeah. listen to any of this. And like you know, um, like your pre predecessor uh, in the in the co hosting seat here, Brian, he. Is it he? He loves Superman more than I do, and he's he's a Tanahisi Coates guy. He got me to read one of his books, and and you know he was the one who was really pushing Black Panther, and you know he he was not crazy about the Black Panther run. He is not at all about a black Superman. He you know he's like no this you know uh, to quote him Nabra, <laughs> um, but uh, you know and and, and so I, I think here here's the issue is again back to the hollywood reporter right and i'll let you get to your point in a second um the superman film appears to be moving onto its own track but won't be a part of that universe as of now sources tell the hollywood reporter that Coates is crafting kal-el in the vein of the original superman comic 
and we'll have the protagonist hail from Krypton come to Earth while the court while the story is currently being crafted and many details could change. One option under consideration is for the film to be a 20th century period piece. Makes zero sense, right? Diversity and represent, representation main key drivers for the DC universe moving forward. Warner's is, Warner's is developing the Latino Blue Beetle. That's fine. Jaime Reyes is the, the current Blue Beetle. Um, with Angel Manuel Soto attached to direct. HBO Max is casting for a gay Green Lantern. Again, they made Alan Scott gay in the comics, whatever, um, for an upcoming series. And the CW Arrowverse is about to get its second female superhero, or uh, second black female superhero with Ava DuVernay's Naomi. Batwoman also features Javisa Leslie, and Black Lightning is about to wrap its final season. Here's 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 the 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 the, the issue with that. This is all about color. What this didn't also mention is that with the new Constantine series that they're going to doing be doing, they're not going to go with like Matt Ryan or like another English actor. They're going to go with a, a POC as they put it. And it's like okay, so. We were talking before all of this. Scarlett Johansson caught a tremendous amount of flack to play a character who was a trans man. And, you know, she got all sorts of, of, of hate from from white liberal housewives uh, about that. And here's the thing is she could have played that person as a woman, as a man, you know, going back and forth with with however that story needs to happen with backstory. It's the same person. Um, but no, that wasn't good enough. You know, what pisses me off about this is that these people that are up in arms about stuff like ScarJo or that are that are, you know, that are applauding, you know, Tiny Coates and Jar Jar Abrams. They are the same people that won't even go see these fucking movies. No, they don't buy the comics. They don't they don't engage in the culture. You know, and if they do, they're like a cosplayer, right? And you know, I said that with a little venom. Let me rephrase that. Because like they're they're a cosplayer who want to give homage to characters that they like. Um, but and you know, that's great. Love whoever you want to watch. Not love whoever you want to watch, not gatekeeping in any way. But you don't love that character for any other reason than because they're the character that they are now. And in some of these, some, some, some other shows and, and other, other people, what, what we need to start doing is we need to start getting organized and we need to start letter writing campaigns and boycott campaigns and telling these studios, this is no, this is not okay. This is, this is not something that we're interested in. We want to see new stories with these characters, but these are characters that have lasted a generation actually multiple generations because you know um marvel is in its 80th year dc predates that um you know superman batman wonder woman robin all are 80 plus years old so by by taking and changing these characters that are fundamental and superman the superman symbol is the most recognizable symbol on the planet yes more people know who that is than most of the flags in the world 
absolutely 100 percent. and there's nothing wrong with that superman is an aspirational yeah. character that we all need to live up to that we all should strive to be like truth justice the american way mm-hmm. it, it's 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 not truth justice and let's pander to the lowest common denominator of people who aren't actually interested in supporting any of this they just want to ruin it for everybody else because something is wrong in their lives and they're angry and they want to lash out like the tiny children that they are yeah uh one of the best things and again man of steel had its issues and and what you and what you just said about superman and what he represents I love what what they get right with that is when Russell Crowe tells him, you will provide the people of Earth with an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun, Cal. Yeah. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Yep. Like just saying that, like reading that, that gives me goosebumps. Yeah, That's one of those scenes. Goosebumps. It, yeah. That is the – that is Superman. That is who he should be. And mm-hmm. again, I love Man of Steel. There was too much darkness. I understood what Zach was going with it, but there was too much darkness mm-hmm. for the character. Yep. Superman, like you said, is aspirational. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your color of your skin. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your religion or your race. What matters is that he he is an, a symbol to aspire to become, to become the best version of yourself right it does not matter the color of his skin well these people right here jar jar abrams ta-nehisi coates and all they're making it about hey the color and, and again in that because yeah. in the article they said uh it, it said something along the lines of it becoming of, of you know as far as the movie itself well, let me see if i of, of, of making a real statement or something mm-hmm. like that because he's because he's black that's the only way you can make a statement because of the scholars of skin how myopic and ignorant a statement is is that when you're dealing with a character who is all about hope mm-hmm. uh, and again the symbol in his chest that that's another great thing i liked from man of steel it's like yeah. no it's not an s it's not an s it, 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 it means hope mm-hmm and when you narrow down something meaning something only because hey this this person is this color or this person is this gender then you fundamentally lost what it what that character represents yeah. and jar jar abrams and tanahisi coates know fuck all about what superman means do they know this, fuck all about how to tell a story yeah and jj's and, best and, days and, are long behind him as well yeah, and again, how long have have you known me? I even when I don't like something, I do not want it. I, I don't yeah. actively say I hope this fails. Yeah. This is one of those. If if they stick with this line, and again, if they go with Val Zod, if they go with Calvin Ellis, if it, okay, whatever, that's fine by me. But if they try to call this guy Clark Kent, dude, I hope. Well, not only do I hope this bomb, I know for a fact this movie will bomb, mm-hmm. and and it and it will lose millions of dollars and it will be deservedly so because they don't give a fuck about story all they care about is checking off boxes mm-hmm. all they care about is color of skin all they care about is the virtue signal laying up diversity and inclusion they don't give a damn about the character they don't give a damn about what he represents they want to change what he represents to what they feel he should represent right right no not not one single argument from from that on my behalf um 
Yeah. I so here's the thing is like these stupid <laughs> stupid uh publications, websites are, are running with this. Freaking Collider, who should play Superman in the next movie? Eleven actors that could be the new Man of Steel. Uh, DC's Black Superman will reportedly stick to the comic origins. That's from Screen Rant, who you know we we've we've talked about um, that. Ryan but, George is the best and only good thing about Screen. Yeah, Rant. and it's just because like his his four minute pitch meeting uh, videos. Yes. All right. So here's the thing: is who should play Superman? Eleven actors who could be the new Man of Steel. This is from Collider. Um, and you know they start with Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan understands. Like he's he's he said to Oprah, I am not going to play Superman if it's Clark Kent. Yeah, he said if it's Calvin Ellis or Valzad, I would be down for it. But I don't think Clark Kent should be a black guy. Now, he's about to make his directorial debut debut with Creed three. So, you know, that's going to put him on the shelf from from anything else. Um, Okay, so they've got a. Jonathan Majors here, um, you know who's uh, playing Kang, the yeah. Conqueror. Right. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Mania. Okay. Uh, so Lovecraft Country is is what he's in, and I I didn't like Lovecraft Country. I um, stopped watching halfway through. Yeah. But I actually I actually really liked him. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him too. But I didn't like the story. Like the the story, it it kind of got boring for yeah. me, and it, it wasn't what I wanted. So, um, you know, then they have Kelvin Harrison Jr., um, who's like an indie guy. He was in It Comes at Night and Waves. Um, but this is the thing. Collider says he's shown himself. Uh, he's shown himself capable of mastering complex characters that give Tom. And given that Tony Hesey Coates is writing the new Superman movie, complexity may very well be what is called for with this take on the character. Ta-Nehisi Coates cannot write anything complicated. It's going to be base. It's going to beat you over the head. It's going to be racist, and it's going to be, like you said, beat, beating you over the head. So, you know, if you if, if this Kelvin Harris dude, like, if you are a complex actor who who is great at tackling these roles, steer clear, dude. Um, <laughs> he, he does put me a little bit in mind of Val Zod, like, yeah, when I was looking yeah, at the picture. Yeah, but, I mean, here's Zod. the thing. Like, yeah, Val Zod, great. Like, you know, like looking at a lot of these, like most of these guys, they could play any of the other ones, but none of them are Clark Kent. Um, the no, dude from Bridgerton, no. who is kind of like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Reggie Jean Paul, John Paul, uh, uh, Reggie Jean Page. Um, anyway, like he's no, thank you. Like he already left that show. Like you know, it's like he 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 had one season and took off. Um, he was talking about he was up for some role, and I forget what it was now, but it was like, no, you weren't. Stop. Um, they've got uh, Joven Adepo, um, who was in Watchmen. You know, he was uh, Hooded Justice in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, he's great. He was awesome in that role, but, like, again, like, Valzad, perfect. Perfect for Valzad. Um, you know, Daniel, how do you say his last name? Kaluuya. Is it Kaluuya? Yeah. Um, I, or Kalua. I've heard yeah. both. Like, anyway, but I think it's Kalua. Uh, I'm just gonna go hard pass on him. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Uh, I didn't like him in Get Out. I didn't like him in Black Panther. I, you know, 
I, I just the things I've seen him in, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. So I, I definitely would not be interested in seeing him as, uh, as Superman in any, any incarnation. Um, you know, Eli Gorey, um, who was Cassius Clay and Regina King's One Night in Miami. Um, you know, haven't seen it yet, but okay. Um, he's a big dude, I guess. Oh, he was on Ballers. That's what I know him from. Okay. Yeah, he was that. Yeah, the high school quarterback. Yeah, pass. Um, <laughs> John Boyega. Dude, John, John Boyega is not going anywhere near Warner Brothers. If he thought Disney treated a black dude bad, you know. <laughs> oh, he's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, William Jackson Harper from uh, from The Good Place. Nope. Sorry, dude. You don't even. No. There, there's nothing about him that screams Superman or Clark Kent, for that matter. Well, except um, he's, like, ripped out of his mind. Yeah, okay. Like, but but yeah. he's going to be covered in yeah. a suit. So, yeah. uh, no. John John David Washington. Sorry, guys. He's booked as Black Panther. Um, <laughs> uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen. You know. Now, again, this is a, a perfect Calvin Ellis. You look at him. But he yeah. was already he was already Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, and, you know? and, and again, yeah, none of these, not one one guy on this. Yeah, you know, these are some fine actors, and not one of them could I see as Clark Kent. No, and, and here here here's the thing though, is like Calvin Ellis, Valzad, you you've got of the eleven actors, um, you take out Michael B. Jordan, you take out Chidi from the good place and you take out john david washington because he's going to be doing black panther at some point like you've got eight actors who could play either of those characters amazingly and and you know what yeah. all audiences will rally behind that to go see that movie yeah all audiences yeah. It, because but, it's but, a new character that they don't know yeah but i'm telling yeah and you and right now if they go that clark kent route this movie will bomb yep and again even if they don't go that route i still think the movie's gonna have issues because it has a guy who should not be writing movies or comic books yeah pinning the script you know or 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 short stories on a napkin but um (laughs) you know here's the thing though is like the screen rant article like the picture is calvin ellis you know they you scroll down you you get a picture of val zod you know that like it seems like, you know, they get like Screen Rant gets why, um, why this is a thing. But like, it's like how how the Superman re- reboot can avoid DCU's Man of Steel mis- mistakes. Um, you know, they they have a whole article talking about like this on the horizon, and you know, why a Superman reboot is better than the Man of Steel two. Um, you know, they, they talk about Henry Cavill has a robust fan base, uh, but his version of Clark Kent simply never became the sort of universally beloved hero that Warner Brothers was counting on. I disagree, man. Like, if he wasn't universally loved, the fact that they introduced this uh, or they released this information on his birthday, on Henry Cavill's birthday. Yeah, and people way to were, go, WB. People were way pissed about that. Like, wait, like, you know. This is like WWE delivering CM Punk's firing papers to him at his wedding. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's like Gina Carano finding out about her firing online. Yeah. So it's like even if even if I didn't and again, I love Cavill as an actor and I love him as Superman. Even if I didn't like him as an actor or or as a character, I would say, dude, that's 
that's messed up that you would do that on yeah. your birthday so, like that. So here, here, here's the thing about this when they're talking about Cabell. So it says here, um, and, and you're going to love this because this is the exact opposite of how I feel. As soon as Henry Cavill's Superman debuted, he was controversial. In 2013, 2013's Man of Steel, audiences were introduced to a more somber, less self-assured Superman, a man who was unsure of his place in the world and whether humanity was even worthy of his help. This was a Superman who allowed his father to die, though at his father's explicit request, and snapped General Zod's neck to stop his rampage across Earth. This was a dark, conflicted character, and he immediately rubbed Superman traditionalists the wrong way. All right, this was a man. This was a Superman who was raised by monsters. <laughs> yes. Okay. He didn't let his dad die. He spent his entire life with Jonathan and Martha. Martha, telling him, "No, do not help anyone. We are monsters. You let them die." You let people get hurt. They kept him from the light. And it wasn't until he got the influence of Jorel that he was able to step into the light and, and become Absol yeah. that aspirational Superman that we all wanted to see. And because he was raised by those monsters, and then because he had the help of Jorel when dealing with the Kryptonians, like I get why he snapped Zod's neck. He didn't yeah. – he was in – he was finally at a point where he's like, I am not letting a single other person get hurt from this moment on. Mm -hmm. Snap. And, you know, yes, yeah, Superman traditionalists, like, thought that was that was bad. Sure. Um, and it is. He Like, he's not, he's not a character that traditionally kills. But, again, Zack Snyder was so clumsy in the execution of the end of that movie that – he wrote himself into that corner. Which, again, I, w I wouldn't say he wrote himself. I, I get where you're coming from. However, you're also I, – I, this is how I look at it. This was Superman's first time fighting anyone, yeah. let alone fighting someone as powerful as he is, let alone someone who is a much better fighter mm -hmm. than he is. He had very little – and again, yes, obviously it could have been written a little differently, but I actually liked – how it because it showed he knew that he could not stop Zod. Zod had learned to fly. Zod had learned to use you know laser vision within mm -hmm. you know because Zod was you know built and bred for this. And well, yeah, was Superman. Zod, Zod was on a genetically farm. made to protect Krypton and its people. That was yeah. his sole purpose for being. Clark was the first Kryptonian in thousands Centuries. of years. Who was built? Who was born naturally with no predetermined destiny? So, so here's the other thing that bothers me uh, in this article. There's one key criticism of Cavill's Superman is that he seems to view being super Superman as being something of a burden rather than a privilege. Superman and Batman are two totally different characters. Batman is a burden to Bruce Wayne, but here's the thing: that's not the truth. Bruce Wayne is the burden to Batman. Yes. Because Batman is the face, Bruce Wayne is the mask. Superman has always been a, a, a burden for Clark in the way that he it's the only way he can safely help people and protect the people that he loves. Right. But he has to sacrifice everything around him. Seeing the way that uh, Tyler Hoechlin is handling this on Soups and Lolo right now, 
uh, the, the, the person who wrote this article needs to, to go watch that. And then they actually need to go back and read some Superman comic books. Yeah. Which, um, by the way, I can't, 10 days or t- a little bit less, like 10 or 11 days till it comes 15. back. No, it's the 15th, isn't it? It's next week. No, no. No, fifteenth is Saturday. Oh, uh, it's so. it's Tuesday, Tuesday or Monday. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, it said then it says here the DC reboot can fit into the multiverse but still stand alone. We don't need a multiverse. We just don't like multiverses are stupid. They suck. Um, DC had a whole crisis event to clean up the multiverse nonsense that they they saw themselves in. Um, you know, and then they they just you know it's just. There's no actors attached, nor even a director at this point, but the film can jump ahead of the curve by analyzing what went wrong with the character's recent adventures and attempt to course correct. Superman is more universally likable, uh, into a more universally likable iteration. Superman is likable because Henry Cavill is likable. Yeah. Superman is likable because Brandon Routh was likable. Brandon Routh legitimately got robbed. Because Brian Singer gave him a movie where Superman did not throw a single punch. Yeah. Think about that for a and, second. Yeah. And this is where they're conflating uh, a good and well-received movie with likable. Because, again, I will say it again. I love Man of Steel. Man of Steel had issues. Man of Steel was divisive. But there's no one – well, I won't say there's no one. Very few people – that didn't like that movie would say they didn't like Henry Cavill. They might not have liked the direction that Zack Snyder put him on, but Cavill himself, just like Superman, mm-hmm. he was that beacon of hope. He was that shining yep. light. So, yep. No, I agree. I mean, Cavill, Cavill was the, the one thing I liked when we first saw it. I've since lightened my stance on Man of Steel on subsequent viewings and of the the dceu films it's probably my favorite followed by shazam um followed by aquaman uh but yeah i just i don't i don't know d it's like it it's like they don't like money they don't (laughs) like like super like doing superman well is a license to print money and you know christopher reeve was great richard donner introduced a version of superman that i think is what most people identify as for the character um but you know killing the cans killing pocket like it doesn't need to happen like it like soups and lolo made this mistake but again that's because greg berlanti is like doing far too many things at once and you know dc was on this weird mandate where they were like all parents have to die all all heroes have to be orphans. I mean, just just think of Smallville and how great it was for Clark to have Jonathan Kent by his side, helping him along the struggles he had of being a teenager yeah. or being a young adult and having these powers. Like, and I mean, and it's it, sad it, it, that that John John Shire left the show, and they killed him off. But you yeah. know, it was you know, I mean, John Shire wasn't going to do teen seasons of Small, Smallville. Who are we kidding, right? Yeah. Um, right. And there shouldn't, they, yeah, as much as I love Smallville, there probably shouldn't have been 10 seasons. But no, you, you notice I don't, I, I haven't talked about Tom Welling as Superman because he was never Superman. No, he wasn't. He was Clark Clint. Clark, Clark Clint. He was Clark Kent. He was a red blue blur. He was the blur. You know? Yeah. Um, it, we, we, get, we get a scene of him wearing Brandon's Superman shirt. 
at the yeah. at the end at the, in the you know the closing moments of the series. But uh, that's it. Yeah, you know, here, here here's the thing: DC has such a rich tapestry of characters, and they have such a rich tapestry of diverse characters. You know, if you really want to make a like uh, an aspirational hero of a movie, um, Dwayne McDuffie's milestone. DC owns all of that. They have all the rights to that. Do it. Make an icon movie. You know why they're not going to make an icon movie? Because nobody knows her. Him. Um, but uh, him. Yeah. Icon was. I, a, see, I was thinking. I was thinking of Vixen. Like I, I had Vixen uh, on my mind. Icon was a conservative. Icon sidekick Rocket. You know. Black girl, you know, yeah. static, black dude, you know, it, it's, yeah. you know, hardware, black guy, you know, I mean, my, Milestone did it right. Milestone put character above all else. It just happened to be that they were, they were black, you know, yeah. um, they, they talk about the Blue Beetle movie. Jaime Reyes, Jaime Reyes is a great character. I love Jaime Reyes. Um, Ted Cord, he was a great Blue Beetle. He was the Blue Beetle of my youth. Um, I never bought Blue Beetle comics. I bought Jaime Reyes comics every time there's been a run because he's a cool-ass character. It doesn't matter that he's Latino. He's cool as shit. And, and he's one of these characters who struggles with being a hero, which you know makes the fact that he's super heroic all the more interesting. And if you want a really good interpretation of Jaime Reyes, go watch uh, Young Justice. Especially season two. I'll have to check that out. Because he he's a major focal point. Um, you know, the Reach, uh, which is where the Scarab came from, uh, is is a great villain, like villainous group, planet, people. Um, it you know, there's Black Beetle Black Beetle, um, who is voiced by Kevin Grievous, who is the uh, the guy who wrote uh, underworld and is the one, yeah. the big the big giant werewolf who has the amazing voice and he goes around and calls everybody meat stupid meat um but yeah it, it they're, they're dc has a ton of this that they can they can go from taking their cornerstone character and messing with it like this is just they, they should have the ip taken away from them for abuse yeah yeah, it, it, it's like the, the, the meme I sent you where they show, you know, Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin yeah, on the set that was of, funny. Uh, of The Flash where they're like buddy-buddy and it's like Marvel DC and then or, or Marvel, and, Marvel Disney, and Disney. yeah. And then WB is choking at, is like the cat choking out the other cat yep. uh, that's yeah. DC. It's, so. it's It just boggles my mind how like these, how all of these characters, this bevy of characters and all they can think about is gender swapping race swapping because they have lack they, they just lack creativity and i have to imagine at&t is looking at all of this and saying you know this isn't worth the hassle yeah um it's and and, and let's be honest jar jar has ruined two franchises with Star Trek and Star Wars, two legacy IPs are left in shambles after he touched them. <sighs> I mean, am I wrong? 
No, I mean, and, and both both properties had such to for me great starts. Mm-hmm. Like Force Awakens, as you know, people can call it derivative. I really enjoyed that. Wow. I love the first Star Trek movie. Yeah, actually, I like and the I just, like I like Star Trek Beyond the best out of all three of them, and it's the one JJ. Uh, I like Beyond. I, I so. actually, oh, I like Beyond better after I saw it a second time. Yeah. But again, good starts, and then it's just. I don't know. I don't know what to you say. Know, if he wants to be the producer on these things and, and because he wants it under his bad robot banner, fine. But like keep Leave him away from keep him out. away yeah. from the story. Keep keep Kirk's Kirk uh not Kirkman, uh Kurtzman and the other dude away from, from any of it. I mean they've they've just decimated Star Trek uh in, in the in the years oh, that God, have followed. Yes. Um you know, looking what he did, what what he and Kathleen Kennedy did to Star Wars from a movie perspective is just heartbreaking. Um, you know, letting letting ruin Johnson get involved with all of that. But D- DC has a chance here to say, hey, you know what? We're, we're not going to we're not going to bow to the Twitter mob and, and, and do this because, you know, a couple of crybabies with blue butterflies in their profile name think that we should, because you know, the more, the more I think about it and the, the further I get away from being on Twitter, the more I think Twitter is just a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And, and this, yeah. this is the type of thing that, that perpetuates those people to, to keep them mentally ill. Yeah. I just, if you want to make it, when you have characters like this, Focus on the character. Focus on the story. Don't focus on the race. Don't focus on the sad. Focus yep. on the character. Right. Focus on the story. It's yep. very simple. It's ve- it's honestly extremely simple. Yeah. Extremely simple. But that's all. That's all you need to do. Yeah. That's all you need to do. I couldn't say it better. So, um, I mean, we did an episode forever ago, like called "Just Stick to the Canon." Uh, we did a don't tug on Superman's cape episode like in the first six months of this because you know when you do when, when you when you play stupid games with Superman you you win stupid prizes um you know oh steel like steel's a character that they could do that they could do much better than having Shaq play yeah which yeah, was a it, huge it, well, disrespect to that character having yeah. Shaquille O'Neal play John Henry Irons yeah, one one of the YouTubers I follow, uh, Tyrone Magnus, he does a lot of different reactions and stuff. Oh, and he, he had a could video. be a great steal because he's yeah. got those big well, old he, arms. Yeah, well, he even said that, like, in his video today, he was like, you know, he mentioned Valzad, he mentioned Calvin Ellis, and he, then he brought up, I didn't even think about doing steal. It's like, you know what? He's right. So. Uh, anyway. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, so enough of the, of the rants. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just that's all. I'll, I'll just end it with that. Just focus on story. Mm-hmm. Focus on character. Those are just the contents of the character are what's important, and that should go Absolutely. for everything, not just superhero movies. A hundred percent. Anyway, uh, all right. Um, yeah, back us on Patreon if you liked any of this, like so we can do more of this. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, uh, like and subscribe. All of that fun stuff um we'll be back a whole bunch next week with uh, a bunch of different <laughs> things 
Um, I'm 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 excited to go watch Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, I've been excited to watch um, Warrior, um, and yeah. So cool. Any last words? Story matters. Character matters. All right. That's it. Yeah. Sweet. Peace out. Talk to you guys later. See ya. DFS Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show and to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.